Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 16 of Revelation chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 14. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. We have been looking at verse 12 and the drying up of the water of the great river Euphrates. And um, we're just going to look at the last part of that verse in tonight's study, where it says, The way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The drying up of the water of the Euphrates which we've seen is the water of Babylon or the gospel uh, that was out there in the world, now there is no more gospel, is necessary preparation, is what God is saying, for the way to be prepared for the kings of the east, the way to heaven. This must take place before God can end the world. Uh, He must punish the unsaved. He must try his people and then he will bring them into the new heaven and new earth. Well, let's look at um, the word east. We we know that believers are identified as kings. God likens true believers to prophets, spiritual prophets, and priests, and kings in the Bible, because we're of royal blood once we become saved. We're of the family of Christ, and he is king of kings and lord of lords, and he makes us kings. But also, the direction of the east is a direction that identifies with the kingdom of God, with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, in the first couple of verses, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. And notice that it says there are wise men from the east, and they are individuals that picture God's true believers. As the direction of the star and Christ is typified by a star in the Bible, is the east. The east is the direction the sun rises. The light of the world comes up in the east. And it's the direction of Christ. In Luke chapter 1, we read in uh, verse 78, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. And 
this is a passage, a chapter in which the birth of the Messiah is being proclaimed and, and he is the day spring from on high. Well, the Greek word translated as day spring is 395 and it's also the same Greek word translated as east. And so it could be read whereby the east from on high hath visited us. But of course that doesn't sound too good. So the translators translate as, as day spring because again, the day springs, it rises in the east. So the word itself, the east, identifies with Christ as here he is called the uh, day spring from on high. And one other verse in Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41 and in verse 2, it says, Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust of his sword, and as driven stubble to his bow, and so forth. The righteous man from the east can only be the Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the one uh, who is the ruler of kings, the king of kings. And God speaks of him as the righteous man who who comes from the east. Well, that's why in this verse in Revelation 16, 12, the way of the kings of the east, or the kings that are made kings because of the Lord Jesus Christ, might be prepared. All right, let's go on to verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Well, at this point, uh, we have just been reading in this chapter the quick succession of the pouring out of the vials full of the last plagues of God or the wrath of God one after the other upon the earth, upon Babylon, upon the seed of the beast. And and now God, before immediately going into uh, discussing the seventh angel pouring out his vial, he, he sort of backtracks to the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. And he's going to go back to that point in order to establish the battle of Armageddon or or the battle of Judgment Day between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan. And he's going to show how Satan gathered his forces and uh, brought his army into the day of judgment for battle, doing battle against the Lord and and uh, the kingdom of God. And And so in order to show that, he he is going back a little bit in time, not too far, to the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And that's why the Apostle John is seeing these uh, three unclean spirits. Because in verse 14, notice they came out of the mouth of the dragon and the beast and the false prophet. And they go forth unto the kings of the earth, not the kings of the east, 
the uh, the Bible it, it, with this phrase "kings of the earth" could have in view true believers or the unsaved in the churches, uh, depending on the context. And here it's clear, since they're being uh, brought together uh, due to what is coming out of the mouth of the dragon and the beast and and the false prophet, that it's not the true believers. But it is Satan. And, and so that gospel, false gospel coming out of the mouth of Satan goes forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And this very much reminds us of the loosing of Satan and the formation of Gog and Magog, which we read about in Revelation 20, beginning in verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So just as Gog and Magog gathered their forces and came against the camp of the saints, the the churches and congregations of the world, which was the outward representation of God's kingdom to earth, and and Satan assaulted and attacked it, and, and then he had this enormous multitude as the New Testament corporate church during this time numbered about 2 billion people. So Gog and Magog were a great multitude. And Magog, the, the people within the congregations, the corporate body, professed Christians, they were able to be gathered on Satan's side because of what came out of the mouth As it says here in verse 13, the unclean spirits like frogs, three, uh, we shouldn't forget that number, three, unclean spirits like frogs, and the number three points to the purpose of God, that this was God's doing, that it was not due to Satan's power or or, um, his might in any way, no, he, he was a defeated foe. He was bound at the cross. He received a deadly wound. But his deadly wound was healed due to the purpose of God. In times and seasons, it was finally the time that the figurative thousand years came to a close. He must be loosed in order to accomplish God's purpose for destroying the corporate body. And so God did lose him according to his purpose, according to the will of God, and out of Satan's mouth, as um, three unclean spirits like frogs came out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. We shouldn't think it's three different individuals or, or evil spirits. They're all uh, picturing Satan. We know he's called the dragon, we know the beast is the name God gave to him um, exclusively for his rule during the Great Tribulation period. And 
he is the false prophet. And there are many false prophets in the world, but but Satan is the father of lies. So he is the false prophet, just as Jesus is the truth. Satan is the false prophet. And so God says that what came out of their mouth was unclean spirits like frogs. Now, why does he refer to frogs? And we search the Bible. We don't find too many references to frogs in either the Old Testament or the New Testament. The the number one place where frogs are most often mentioned is in the book of Exodus in chapter 8 as one of the plagues that came upon Egypt. In Exodus 8, beginning in verse 1, it says, And Jehovah spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith Jehovah, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs, and the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And Jehovah spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And this was the horrible plague of frogs that God brought upon Egypt, and soon Pharaoh was calling for Moses and Aaron and and um, beseeching him that he would let the people go, but he was lying and yet God did remove the plague of frogs from him. And what does this plague represent? Well, we know in Revelation 16, God is calling upon, or uh, in, in the judgments that he's bringing upon the world, he is reminding us of the plagues upon Egypt. There was the plague of turning water to blood, that we saw in Revelation 16 and was one of the plagues upon Egypt. There is the plague of darkness upon the seed of the beast, which reminded us of the thick darkness that came upon Egypt, and and so forth. And now a plague of frogs is being brought uh, to bear upon the inhabitants of the earth in the day of judgment. And And, well, again, this would go back to the beginning of judgment at the house of God, but it's part of the overall 10,000 days of judgment, and God views really the beginning of the end of the world, the beginning of judgment, um, at the point when it commenced upon the house of God, the corporate church. That's why First Peter 4.17 says, judgment begins at the house of God. Now, we say, that uh, judgment began on May 21, 2011. And that's true concerning the final judgment. That that's the day of transition. But as far as the end time judgment, 
it it truly began with with God um, smiting the people called by His name, the city of God, the corporate churches and congregations of the world. Now the the frogs were in view in Egypt, but again, what is the point of the frogs? What do they spiritually represent? Well, uh, since there are so few references to frogs in the Bible, uh, we we do find a definition, a spiritual definition in the Psalms, in Psalm 78 and in verse 45, as God is recounting some of the plagues that he brought upon Egypt. It says, He sent divers sorts of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs which destroyed them. And the Hebrew word translated as destroyed means just that, to perish, to mar, to corrupt, to destroy. The frogs spiritually picture destruction. And that's exactly what Satan accomplished once God loosed him and he uh, he immediately entered into the church we we know that from passages such as in Revelation 13 and in 2nd Thessalonians 2 he took his seat as the man of sin uh, seated in the temple showing himself that he is God and brought with him destruction and he he brought unclean spirits that came out of the mouth of the dragon and the mouth of the beast and the mouth of the false prophet. But how could Satan do that? Since he's a spirit being, he couldn't take the pulpit himself. People, um, uh, even though they're deceived by him, there's no way they would uh, permit uh, the devil to get into their pulpit no, and they they couldn't see him anyway, but through emissaries, through ministers of his, through, in other words, priests and pastors and elders and, and um, other religious leaders within the churches and congregations, Satan was able to speak to the congregation as we read, in 2 Corinthians 11, in verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works." So Satan's men, and and in our modern time, women, they got into the pulpits and they began to preach other kinds of gospels, especially lying signs and wonders, as uh, almost simultaneously with his loosing, the the charismatic gospel exploded worldwide in popularity. So that today there's estimates of the two billion professed Christians in the corporate church that hundreds of millions of them, I saw one estimate of about 500 million, are in some form of the charismatic gospel. That would be about one in four 
professed Christians in the world. It is an enormous um, uh, outburst of this kind of supernatural activity that these churches claim is from God. Of course, the only problem is God refuses it and says, Oh no, in Revelation 22, in, in verses 17 through 19, at the point of the completion of the Bible that had been compiled over the course of about 1,500 years. And finally, God finished the book, and he He put in the last chapter of the last book, towards almost the very last words, he said, Whoever adds unto the words of this prophecy shall have the plagues written herein added to him. And And so when people say they received a vision from God, or God communicated to them in a dream, or gave them a tongue. It is additional revelation, if it's true, and God says, I would never do that. I have given my revelation. It is my communication to mankind. Here it is, a complete book of 66 books that make up one book called the Bible, and this is everything I intended to say. If you want to hear from me, read this book. And there will be no further communication outside the confines of the written word of God. And if anybody comes saying that uh, th- I have a message from God in any other form, you can know instantly, immediately, that is not from me. If it's supernatural, then it's from Satan. And and that's what Satan did. He came with lying signs and wonders, trying to look like Christ, trying to perform miraculous deeds in order to prove his gospel so that people would be deceived into thinking it was from God. And so they spoke in tongues. Or... They fell over backwards, slain in the spirit. And, and oh, it, it gave uh, quite an appearance. And people were starstruck. Oh, the Spirit of God is with us. And it had nothing to do with the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of Satan, the Spirit of the evil one. As we read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and uh, I, I made reference to it a little earlier, concerning the man of sin. And in that same passage, God says in verse 8 of Second Thessalonians 2, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders." and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now the word for uh, signs here, in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 9, the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders is the identical word 
that's translated as miracles in Revelation 16:14 for they are the spirits of devils working miracles or signs which go forth unto the kings of the earth and and so this is the working of satan and and you you don't have to go to a haunted house somewhere to see the working of satan the operation of um the the evil kingdom of darkness any church in all the world is the place where that's happening any denomination presbyterian episcopalian catholic independent pentecostal you name it it's all part of that which was given over to satan because of the rebellious nature of the churches and god loose satan to destroy them and and that's what the frogs coming out of the mouth of uh, the dragon and the beast and the false prophet did accomplish and perform the complete and ultimate destruction of the corporate church and all those that remained in the corporate churches and congregations of the world uh, they have been bundled as tares for the burning and God spiritually has already put them to the fire. They are destroyed. Satan did his job very well. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.